This is Money, Motivation, and Mike, and I am your host, Michael Wainwright. In charge of all the controls, as always, is audio engineer Jason Wright. And hello to you, world. This is the podcast that will change your life. You can always find us at mx3.vip or anywhere where you listen to your podcast. And you can always email us at info at mx3.vip with all your questions, comments, and any suggestions you may have. We always like hearing those, and we always take them to heart and try to do something about uh, about your uh, your emails that you send us. As we finished up our last episode on how rich people think, and the book that I was talking about with Stephen Sebold, I told you we were going to come back and we were going to cover some of those topics of some of the sayings of how the the the, the middle class think versus the world class, which is in this since we were talking about the rich, the, the, the wealthy. And then I started thinking about um, another book that I really haven't laid my hands and eyes on for a good 25 years. And that's the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And I remembered a section in there that was called identifying your center. And our episode today is called finding your center. And I believe it's a, an area that we need to go cover before we get back to how rich people think. Now, the reason I say this is, is finding your center. We got to figure out where you are today. What is your center? What that means is, is where are you focused? Are you focused in the right places? Are you focused in the wrong places? Or, or wherever you are focused, is your thoughts correct? And that's what we're going to do. And, and in the, the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Affected People by Stephen Covey, he talks about the center. And if you haven't, you should go back and, and read that book because it's 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 very, very good. The book was written back in, I believe, the late 80s. I didn't get a chance to read it till the early mid-90s, but fantastic. And, and I, I just remembered, you know, 25 years later, whatever it has been since I looked at that book, that there was a, a part in there about talking about your center. And he talks about 10 centers. And I'm going to go over those, and we're going to touch on a few of those here for the next few moments. And then you can go and digest where it is. Where is your center? And then we're going to come back to how rich people think. After we figure out where we are, then we'll come back. And in those 10 centers, are you spouse-centered, number one? Number two is family-centered. And, and you're also going to be a couple of these. And what you were when you were 22, it's probably not where you are when you're 55, and it changes throughout changes throughout time, and it has changed for me. Number three is money-centered. Number four, are you work-centered? And number five, possession-centered. Number six, pleasure-centered. Number seven, friend-centered. Number eight, enemy-centered. I've struggled with this one. Number nine, are you church-centered? And number 10, are you self-centered? Now, we're going to go back over all 10 of those, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat that more than one of these probably probably identifies your life. And probably if only one does, then you're really, really out of balance. The word we use a lot, getting in balance. But I can tell you right now that today, in dissecting my life and where I'm at, uh, my number one is being family-centered, and there's no doubt that I am money-centered, and I am work-centered, and I'm definitely friend-centered, and I'm church-centered. I know those are the places where 
I hope and pray to continue to grow and where my balance of my life is. No doubt about it. Love my family. I, I love to work. I love to make money so that I can provide for those who I care about the most. I love my friends and I love to go hear the word. I can also tell you in the early days of my life, there's no doubt I was possession centered and I was definitely self centered. And I'm going to tell you over the last six, seven years, At one time, I was enemy-centered, and thank God the good Lord kept me away from the people that I was enemy-centered on and did not let me come in contact with them until I seeked and got the help to be able to deal with who I thought were my enemies. Now, let's go back to number one, which is spouse-centered. Now, what is spouse-centered? And it reads like this. Once again, this is the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Spouse-centered, your feelings of security are based on the way your spouse treats you. You are highly vulnerable to the moods and feelings of your spouse. There is deep disappointment resulting in withdrawal or conflict when your spouse disagrees with you and does not meet your expectations. That's also called codependent when you get really deep into things. And that is not a very good way to live. You wake up, your mood, your thoughts, your ideas are based on how your spouse treats you. That is not the way you should do things. You should get along with your spouse, your spouse, and you should be one, your significant other, whatever. We're going to use that word here as well, because there's a lot of people on our podcast that are, that are not married. So use that word wherever it fits for you and the example. But you cannot base your day on the way that someone else reacts to you. You cannot base your day on the fact that your spouse got up on the wrong side of the bed and treated you in a way that you felt was unfairly, treated you in a way that was disrespectful. And that ruins the rest of your day. And you take that mood and go and take it out on other people. I know this. I've done this. And spouse-centered is, is a very difficult way, way to live. But maybe you are. And if you are, maybe it's time to make a change from that. Now, the the number two is family-centered. Your security is founded on family acceptance and fulfilling family expectations. I'm definitely guilty of this. Your sense of personal security is as volatile as the family. Your feelings of self-worthiness are based on the family reputation. Now, being family-centered can also be a negative. And one of my negatives with my family is I've never been able to say no. As a matter of fact, my doctor told me that I could not even spell no if, I, if he gave me the N and the O. And he was right. Uh, I could not spell no, let alone say no. And it's something you have to work on. And it usually starts with your children and your spouse. Saying no is a good thing. Saying no is growth. I've been able to do it more and more. Not as much as I wished, but family-centered is a great thing as long as you don't take it to the extreme. And I have taken it to the extreme, to be real frank with you. Number three is money-centered. Money-centered is obviously something that we all need. And as we've said in the past, it's only important if you don't have any money. But money-centered can also get you in trouble there as well. Your personal worth is determined by your net worth. 
Unfortunately, in this world, we all compare our checkbooks, and that is being money-centered. You are vulnerable to anything that threatens your economic security. So if your checkbook goes down, you are money-centered if it affects your mood, if it puts you in a bad place. Your profit is your decision-making criteria. If I can make money, it's good. If I lose money, it's bad. You are money-centered. Money-centered people, a lot of times, don't get involved in charity. Money-centered people, lots of times, are not involved in contributing to those who maybe need it more than they do. I've been money-centered. I still have money-centered. But the great thing about money is being able to give. And the part first part of receiving is giving. And I know that money is what makes the world go round. It's the rule of all evil. And there's nothing wrong with being aggressive and proactive and wanting to build your money center, if you will, as long as you know how to control that and what to do with it. And frankly, this number 10 back here becoming self-centered. Work-centered. You tend to define yourself by your occupational role. You are only comfortable when you are working. I definitely fall into this uh, to my detriment, to the detriment of the marriage to the mother of my children. There is no doubt that work-centered had a lot to do with the first 35 years of my life, the first 15, 20 years of of my businesses, and I was work-centered. I definitely believe that if you go to work, you make the money, everything else will take care of itself, and then you wake up one day and it didn't, and it doesn't, and it never will. You have to be balanced once again. Work-centered is a great thing. Work ethic, we all talk about work ethic. We talk about work ethic today in this generation that we have, and they're the lack of. Going to the store, giving somebody $3.88 and they can't make change back to you. It is a very unfortunate thing. Maybe those people that we're talking about, that I'm talking about, need to be more work-centered because they're too far down and they need to come back up to the balance beam and get themselves centered on work-centered. Number five is possession-centered. Your security is based on your reputation, your social status, and your tangible things you possess. You tend to compare what you have to what others have. You feel secure only when you're on a pleasure high. Possession-centered, no doubt, I've been there before too. Who has the most boats in the front yard? Who has the biggest house? Who has the nicest cars? Who wears the best clothes? Those are all possession-centered. You make your decisions based on what will protect, increase, and better display your possessions. The old saying, the guy who has the best watches in town always makes sure that he has the shortest sleeves on so that you can see his watches. That would be possession-centered. We've probably all been possession-centered. Nobody, nobody ever wants to go get a new car and no one ever see it. You go get the new car and the first thing you do is go drag Maine in the olden days. Now, the first thing you do is get that new car and put it on Facebook, if you will. Now, millions of people get to see it in the first hour that you have. Possession-centered also can create some other people being enemy-centered. Number six is pleasure-centered. And you make decisions based on what gives you the most pleasure. Your your security is short-lived. And it depends on your pleasure environment. If you're not out on the town, if you're not having a good time, if you're not with the friends, if you're not doing the things that you want to do, 
your pleasure center is not being met. Once again, you have to be very careful with that. You go out and have too much pleasure, and then it gets you in trouble. Get you in trouble with your marriage, get you in trouble with the law enforcement, can get you in trouble with a lot of things. Pleasure center. It's something that, as we say, is short-lived, but it's something that has to be had a taste of, and you have to be able to control that as, as, the, as in most cases, the evening goes on. One of my pleasure centers is I like to attend ball games, and I get a lot of pleasure out of watching athletic events, going to concerts, etc. But those things can also get you in trouble, can get you in trouble from that money part, too, from a financial. You go out and you spend a lot of money. You do things that you basically cannot afford. You're living above your means, as we talked about how rich people think. Number seven is friend-centered. And I love my friends, and I'm fortunate that I have a lot of friends. And the friend-centered, your security is a function of your social mirror. You are highly dependent on the opinions of of others. Your acceptance in the group, your friends, what they think of you makes you a friend-centered person. You are easily embarrassed when things don't go your way. You do not want to be the brunt of the joke every Friday afternoon. But friend-centered, it's another balancing tactic, another balancing tool that I'm very uh, very high on is you have to be friend-centered. This enemy-centered, I kind of covered that while ago. Your security is volatile based on the movements of your enemies. You're always wondering what he or she is doing. You get a lot of pleasure out of seeing your enemy fail. When unfortunate things happen to them, your enemy center comes out, and, and basically it turns into pleasure for you. Enemy center. We probably have all had that. I know I have. You don't like when bad things come your way, you do like it when bad things come other people's way. That's enemy-centered. And hopefully you're working towards narrowing down your judgment of other people and not overreacting to things that at the end of the day are not very big. Church-centered. Your security is based on your church activity and on the esteem in which you are held by those in the authority of the influence of the church. You find identity and security in religious labels and comparisons. Everybody wants to be looked at as a godly person. Everybody wants to say, oh, I can tell that person's a Christian or whatever their belief is. Everybody gets satisfaction out of walking down that aisle on Sunday morning. How is it when you act on Tuesday afternoon? There's not a whole lot of people that are church-centered, in my opinion, and maybe that's a judgment on my part, but they are my opinions. And based on the world that we live in and how you perceive other people, I would say this is probably an area that we all lack in. As a matter of fact, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's still, to me, a crying out loud shame that on the dollar bill it says, in God we trust. Because I'm not so certain in this country that it is God that we trust. But boy, when things go bad, that's the first place we go. Everybody wants to be considered church-centered and have that balance. Not everybody wants to live that life on a seven-day-a-week period, 24 hours a day. And number 10 and the final one is self-centered. Your security constantly changing and shifting. Your judgment criteria are, if it feels good, I want it, I need it, what's in it for me? Those are all self-centered thoughts, ideas. A whole lot of us have been there. I've been there. There's no doubt about it. 
you view the world, how decisions, events, and circumstances will affect you. It's kind of how we vote, too. I I believe a lot of us vote self-centered. And if that's what it is, then that's where you are. A lot of people vote with their checkbook. That would be self-centered. It's also where the money center comes back into play. What I'd like for you to do is, and you may have to go back and re-listen to this episode more than once, you also need to go out and pick up the book of the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And you can go to the part where it talks about your center and how those centers affect you. And like I say, they are changing all the time. Some of them are staples in your life. Some of them are staples that you will have in your world to the day you die. There's also some in here that we probably need to be getting away from and working on. But if you don't identify that you are enemy centered, you, if you don't identify that you are 100% money centered, maybe you only need to be 50% money centered. If you don't identify that you don't spend any time with your family and your friends, those are things you need to change. And you've got to change those things to work on the balance that comes along with thinking like a rich person. All these things fit into place, and it is a lot of material. It is a lot of information. But if you just grasp something here and there on a daily basis, on maybe you're ambitious on, a, on an hourly basis, the things that you can grasp, the information you can receive, the thoughts that other people have, listening to other folks and the professionals that maybe it's the career and the place that you want to go down. You got to find somebody. You got to find an item. You got to find a book. You got to find a podcast. You got to find a show, an audio tape to stick in your car, a videotape to watch in the evenings. You've got to find information. You've also got to figure out where your center is and how we're going to change our thought process to come back. Obviously, on money, motivation, and Mike, we're always trying to do those things. And over the last several, several episodes, we talk a lot about money. We talk a lot of motivation. Matter of fact, we talk about Mike because I always give my examples of life. And just like I talked about here on, on being enemy centered at one time in my life, along the other things as well. Always trying to bring things to you. Always trying to educate you so that maybe you can just grab a little bit 10 second blurb that will affect your life over the next seven days until we get to the next one. Now, one of the things that I also would like to mention, and we've been talking about this a time or two over the past episodes, is on January 2nd. We will be launching our YouTube channel and we'll continue to bring you more updates as we track along here, as we continue to get it to the point where we need to be. And I can guarantee we will be ready to go by January the 2nd. Once again, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our audience. We continue to grow on a daily basis. We're so proud of that. From Money, Motivation, and Mike, until next time, live your life the right way.